Welcome back to Movies Are Relevant on Brooklyn Rebound Network. It's time for a little February movies talk. We're right in the the sweet spot between the start of the year. Dumpuary, it's been called, uh, for newer releases. And, you know, the, the Academy Awards coming up, I believe, next month in March, unless I'm mistaken. We already talked Prestige picks last episode but we're gonna focus on another one this time that i guess maybe isn't really getting too much award buzz but uh we'll, we'll see if that's the case but it seems like a good time to do it either way what do you think there eric yeah the movie we picked is um not nominated for any academy awards i think not, not in any category i don't think so but it's really good no i, I don't think it's nominated for any oscars huh now, it is interesting with... So, it's your boy, Guadagnino. Yes! Yeah, a director that I am very, very, very fond of. And, uh, you know, it's it's Eric and Drucor, really. It's, you know... It's pretty... Yeah, it's... as This one especially, maybe it was the most, I would say, Drucor of, of his films I've seen. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised, like, he did... So, he made a, a big splash, a bigger splash... God damn it! With uh, call me by with call me by your name, uh, which we've talked about on the podcast quite extensively at this point. But that was nominated for a ton of uh, awards, everything. And then I'm not really sure what happened. He did the Suspiria remake, which I guess wasn't a big hit or anything. But it fucking but ruled. I thought that one was pretty yeah pretty good too. Yeah. It has quality, and then this—he's back with you know Chalamet and everything. He's got a great cast, great, great uh, cinematography and everything. I don't, yeah, we're gonna dig into it, but I'm, I'm kind of surprised there's no. Uh, it, the Oscar favorite uh, pieces are in place, it seems like, but it didn't. Well, turn out. before we spoil anything, uh, this movie's pretty violent at, at times, and uh, the Oscars—it's just. It's not going to get you anywhere. Like, anything unwholesome is not going to get you anywhere at the Oscars, I would say. I guess. What is it? Is it the type of violence? Because, like, well, I haven't seen it, but All Quiet on the Western Front is nominated. I'm, I'm assuming that's got to be... But war movies are different, though, aren't they? Because it's almost, like, there's... Yeah. That that violence isn't... Other than the scene at the top of the tower in uh, Saving Private Ryan, the violence in war movies is never really feels real. I suppose. I don't know if I completely agree with that statement, but... Yeah, I I see what you mean. Generally, like it's it's removed in a way. It's not visceral. I, even if it's visceral, it's not like on a one on one level usually. But anyway, yeah, I don't. Maybe that's part of it. I, I just thought he was gonna kind of be one of the guys that like critics slash awarders love, and maybe it seems like it's not going that way for Guadagnino. Uh, well, not in America anyway. I mean. It- it had 61 total award nominations uh, in the cycle, uh, so 
you know, it's getting around. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it uh, did not impress the Academy as much as Top Gun Maverick, apparently. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, fair enough. I do like Top Gun <laughs> No, Maverick yeah, it's well. really good. But, um, but yeah, anyway, I, that's just something I'm kind of surprised by. I don't know. But, yeah, maybe it's too European. I mean, his European sensibilities got to me a little bit and call me by your name. So, as we've talked about. Poetically, it's his so. first film set in America. Yeah, and uh, this is, de- yeah, definitely an American more american film but and we'll get into it but it's gonna be a a a double this this month of basically a road trip killing spree films because we're also gonna talk terrence malick's 1973 opus badlands as well and compare the two and i will have to say eric it's very they're they're pretty similar movies overall i have to say I see what you're saying, but yeah, yeah, we got a we got a heavyweights podcast, you know. Okay. No, uh, usually earlier in the year we're uh, what am I trying to say? We 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 shine a little light on you know lesser seen and lesser loved movies, but I mean these guys are like mm-hmm. I said heavyweights. Yeah, that's right. I mean you did like I said like I briefly mentioned we did talk we didn't do the regular format last episode. If you want to go back and check that out, we talked a lot of well we talked mainly for movies that are more prestige, although. What do you call it? Didn't get nominated either, um, which I was also surprised by. Park Chan Wook's film that I'm uh, decision to decision leave. Decision to yeah. leave didn't get the greatest title justify I've seen in in years. But yeah, that not getting nominated for any, uh, I guess, I mean, best let alone best picture. It wasn't even Korea's suggested film, right? Oh, I don't know. If, I didn't know that. I th- I, th- I assumed that it was and that it that just wasn't shows. I might be making or, that or up. Or is there another Korean film in the category? I don't know. This isn't an uh, Oscars podcast, but even though I'm making it that. In the uh, they're going to do something stupid stuff. and we can talk about that then. Yeah, we got, we but but yeah, last episode we did, we spotlighted a couple of films uh, that were awards, you know, picks most likely, prestige films, you know. But we, but you also mentioned of your top films of the year, some of those were on the smaller end, like some of your horror picks and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. So we got a little, a little shine on some of those. But we'll get back to it. Anyway, though, Bones and All and Badlands. That's the focus today. What uh, this was your first watch on the Malick film? Is that right? Uh yeah, yes. I, I have not seen every Terrence Malick movie. Um, but Badlands is really, really Malicky. Like it's his first feature. Um, but you can already see just like these are the guy's trademarks and he's finding it out right now. It it was it, that that part of the movie was really cool. He has a very odd career where he did this movie, then he did Days of Heaven a few years after, mm-hmm. also in the seventies, um, starring Richard Gere, which is also um, pretty good. Then he didn't do anything for twenty years, and then he did the Thin Red Line, which actually I've never seen. And then, but speaking of war movies, and then from there he started doing movies again every couple of years. But he a twenty year gap. For, so I don't know what the explanation for that is. I'm sure it's on Wikipedia or something. But yeah, I don't know either. But I mean, like, at, since he came back with Thin Red Line, like, my man is just my man is just out here just slugging. You know, To the Wonder was great. The fucking Austin movie. Have you seen Thin Red Line? I, I have seen Thin Red Line. I, I would say I saw Thin Red Line before I was like a movie guy in scare quotes but i liked it yeah i feel like i remember i believe it came out the same year as the aforementioned uh, saving private ryan that was like the thing and that one kind of took it shine a little bit for me at least as a younger 
being younger then that was probably the more flashy uh, film to get into of the world war ii pictures mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh in 1998 there but yeah yeah I i'm not i'm no male completist i haven't i haven't seen see the wonder either actually um i like the the new world has Tom Farrell movie it's really about, good uh, is is really good but yeah i haven't seen uh whatever his newest one was i don't think i saw but but the, yeah badlands i watched for the second time yesterday i believe it was just the second time and uh i i liked it a lot again i probably probably a lot more maybe this time than the first time i watched it which was maybe a few nice. years back and i did watch bones and all first before my rewatch of badlands so it was kind of a situation i mean i'll see how you feel about this I, I was really enjoying Bones and All, and I was like, this does seem reminiscent of Badlands, and, and you know, also a little bit like Bonnie and Clyde, which I haven't seen in a long time, but, like, that that type of story. Natural Born Killers, I guess, people are bringing up. Uh-huh, uh-huh, which you said you don't like. I said that off mic to you. I, I'm not a fan of that film. That's one I haven't seen since I was, like, in high school, mm-hmm. probably. So, I, it's probably do a rewatch. I mean, Oliver Stone's a little head and miss for me, for sure. Yeah. I remember being really off off-put by some of the things in it at the time okay the style of it i think but i guess it's not in hindsight might not be fair i might need to rewatch that but of those but i was thinking of those especially now i've got the rewatch of those style movies i think badlands is my favorite and i think bones and all maybe suffered a little in comparison after the fact now that i did the rewatch but it's hard to say i mean they i do think they are very similar Mm -hmm. And we can get into it with spoilers and everything. But but what do you think about that statement by me? Uh, do you think that Bones and All is better? Do you think they, they're not as comparable as I'm making it seem? They were very similar. I would argue, like, and, and, and we'll have to get into one movie or the other in order for me to, like, really flesh this out. But they're not that similar. Like, the, the plot is similar, but the story isn't. Does that make any sense? Yes. Uh, and by story, you mean, like, the the themes of it, or you mean, like... The purpose of it, even. The purpose, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess I would agree with that. I guess just to break them down real briefly, like, so Buns and All is... Can- they're cannibals, the two... Well, the, it sets up a world where cannibals are a thing out there. It's, yeah, exactly. It's like a vampire movie, like, cannibals exist, deal with yeah. that. They're not like vampires where they can only have blood. Like, they eat regular food and stuff, too. But they crave this human flesh, I guess. Or even the bones and all. Which we don't see, but it's referenced a few times. And implied. Like, eat the whole thing. And implied, I guess, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, it's, I guess, just slightly supernatural. Because they kind of have ability to smell each other, I guess. Or, like, sense one another other well and the the hunger is very much like a a supernatural compulsion it's been i I watched this in december i think even like regular food makes them sick i don't think that is the case i mean i've seen it uh, i watched this a few days ago i i mean they're eating like they go to diners they're eating food okay okay i'm extremely confusing that with tokyo ghoul that's embarrassing Oh, wow, you're getting into the anime. This oh, is you not did anime that. Monday. Right? You did this to me. Check out True's Views on YouTube. And there is, like, a thing where the guy, the one guy says, like, you'll the older you get, the more you'll need it. That uh-huh. seemed to be, like, a thing they're setting up. But, yeah, they're eating regular food. And, like, she didn't eat any. The main character is basically the start of it is she, I guess, kind of relapses in trying to eat people. 
her father, they, her father, she just lives with him. They're moving around because of their past. They're running away from what she's done. And then he event, he basically at the beginning of the movie is like, that's the final straw for him. And he abandons her mm. essentially. She's like 18, I guess. But so then she has to go off on her own and then it moves on from there. But yeah, but it, I think it like she hadn't done that for like four or five years or something they said before that. So she had been not feeding or whatever you call it for a while but then, right yeah so, it's basically the story of like two teens with a dark secret trying to fi- like falling in love and trying to figure out who they are inside and outside of the context of broader american society it's definitely a gay allegory um and it really really works as one um but it's also just like on the surface like a really sweet teen romance happening um that's not like for my money cloying or anything it's just like uh very believable you know yeah yeah coming from guarding nino the gal bar is no surprise, yeah yeah for sure it's kind of his whole his whole wheelhouse but and he does catch even though even though chalamet is ostensibly straight in this one he does still have a scene where he's <laughs> jerking the guy yeah. out, so they got that in there but i would say yeah it's not cloying i agree with that it's believable and it's not Despite where all the cannibal stuff, it's not really that creepy either, except for a couple parts. It's really just Mark Rylands that is creepy. I, yeah, and well, also uh, another uh, Guadagnino, uh, you know, I guess a pairing again from Call Me By Your Name. They got Stuhlbarg in there playing a very different role uh, than that the, in this one. He's pretty creepy, I would say, and it's like one, basically one scene. Yeah, when is they that see, one of the guys? He's the, the guy who's a cannibal, and he, he has like a friend that's not really. Okay, yeah, right. There is an element of like danger that's. Yeah, mean. it didn't creep me out. I, I I get what you're saying though. Yeah, he's just kind of a creepy guy, I guess. But yeah, Rylance, I we could talk about him. I do think he. I like the performance, but I do think he was doing the voice of the pedophile from Family Guy. <laughs> that's yeah no that's a much better that is a much better comparison i kept saying he was doing old greg yeah it's it's definitely i think rylitz is a weird guy in real life i want to say so it's probably not he uh i could see him getting into this type of role but uh i like that whole part those whole parts i don't know are we getting into spoilers yet or should i bring badlands but well before spoilers so that's a setup to this one. They basically, yeah, the two teens basically have to go. They don't have to, I guess, but they're just going on the road around trying to get by, fall in love, all that stuff. And Badlands is based, I guess, on an event that happened in the 50s. It's set in the 50s. Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek. She's, uh, like, I supposed to be 15 years old, even though... They're both actors are playing about 10 years younger than they actually were at the time. Or I think so, but this is about. three years before Carrie. So, like, Sissy Spacek looks right. young. This might be, like, her first feature, too, mm-hmm. in addition to Malik's. I think it is, yeah. At least definitely first starring role. Yeah, and Carrie, she is, like, playing a high schooler, but she's, like, she was, like, 28 or <laughs> right. something when they filmed that. So, anyway, she has a weird look. She has a young look, uh... She's a good a good face for cinema for sure, and yeah, we'll get into the performances. I definitely want to get into the the performances here in both films more. But 
the setup there is yeah, Sheen is old again. His twenty is supposed to be basically a scumbag, I guess. Well, just like a a, a guy a guy with no really purpose in life who kind of kidnaps her, kind of, but she goes along with him willingly. Mm-hmm. They have a relationship. He basically goes on a killing spree, starting with her father at the beginning of the film and going on from there. And like I said, it's based, I guess, on a, something called like the Stark Fugate or Stark something killings from the 50s. I guess something tangential to this occurred, which is maybe also what Bonnie and Clyde is kind of based on as well, or, or they brought that... I think Bonnie and Clyde was a real thing. It was, but I think they took... I don't think the way that movie goes, I don't that that film goes, I don't think it's how it was in real life either. And I think they took some okay. of the stuff from this other 50s thing and, into it or something. These are both films you don't... I, I would also say, well, we might as well just get into spoilers. I think we... I recommend both films. I think they're both... Um, I recommend Bones and All uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah. I didn't love Badlands. Um, it's good. I didn't love it. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get into spoilers for both... But with that, I would say they're not really that spoilable films to me. It's definitely more about the, like you said, the story. It's not about the plot. Really. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. about the story or like the the mood piece. Even they both feature, obviously, a lot of driving, a lot of shots of open America. Definitely love the cinematography in both. Well, it's, it's so funny because you can see, like, Terrence Malick in, in real time developing his love of, like, shooting one character's back against a wide open field and having an inner monologue. It's 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 really funny to watch yeah, yeah. 50 years later. Now, in terms comparing the two, I, I mean, so Sissy Spacek has, like, the, the narration, basically, which it's kind of... It works for me in Badlands. It's kind of needed, I think, but... Bones and all, I do like how there isn't something like that. You get some of that exposition out through this cassette tape that her mm-hmm. father leaves her, the main character. Um, what are the main characters' names in Bones and all? As usual, I can't remember any character. Names. Ah, shit. Let me let me scroll down. Uh, Lee and Marin. Oh, Marin, right. Okay. So Marin, yeah, like I had mentioned, her father leaves because he can't deal with it anymore. Probably rightfully so, I guess. Uh, if we're getting into since we're getting into spoilers now, you find out her mother had this issue as well. They go see she goes to see her mother at one point, who's played by um, uh, Chloe Sevigny. Her mother had eaten her own arms off, basically her hands off, but had herself locked up to not be eating other people, and like including possibly her do- own daughter. But it, so it seems also like it's hereditary, maybe because I think his. Was Chalamet's father supposed to be one also? I think so. Because he tells that story, right? It gets a little confusing, the story, yeah. Yeah, he tells that that story, and I, I, I guess we should at some point decide which one we want to spoil first. But yeah, I think the story that he tells about his dad involves his dad, like, being a cannibal. And, and, and the thing that he... The way that Chalamet responds to that feels like at, like... Almost like an act of like NATO nihilism, just like how like how dare you pass this on to me? Uh, like I didn't ask for this. But the dad's also abusive too, and abusing the, him and his sister. So it's like that's right, yeah. And then he ends up eating his own dad, apparently. So that's interesting. So it's all intertwined. So the other thing, and they say the dad's a drug. So like, other thing is you had the uh, the allegory already mentioned, um, but it's also about 
it, it's also kind of like alcoholism or addiction in some way that's also like heavily seems to be as part of this cannibal thing do you agree with that um i can see the parallels i i i knowing knowing the films of luca guadagnino i i i feel like it's pretty obviously and uh steadfastly like a gay coming of age story uh just set with two straight teens because you can you can do that because metaphors are exist but yeah i can see what you're saying with like the actual cannibalism in there being being kind of like alcoholism or depression even uh or, or something like yeah something like hereditary and uh like seemingly inescapable yeah that's why i think it's a little modeled for me maybe what they're trying to say with this one with the, the film in general i guess oh yeah and like it works on the level of just the love story and the and what you're talking about that that coming a of age coming out L angle of it but it is like so what are you saying then you have to because people are dying obviously getting innocent people are getting killed by these cannibals right well okay yeah he sets it if you want me to explain what i what what i'm saying when i say it's a like gay metaphor right so he sets it in like the 70s 80s on purpose right it's like pre-aids basically so she's got something that is a part of her that she cannot you know, cannot control, cannot, like, put away. Um, and she starts the film living, living, like, a, a an unfulfilling, relatively normal existence uh, by completely hiding every uh, every important detail of her life from everyone around her and, and, and shutting herself away with her disapproving parent, right? Right, yeah, that's pretty... And, yeah, edge. and when she comes of age and can't hold it back anymore, she's abandoned by her family, she has to go on a cross-country road trip to find herself which apparently is part of this now <laughs> not what i'm saying and then you know there's the older gentleman who teaches her about what's going on with her and then infects tries to infect every portion of her life as she's trying to move on with someone more age appropriate and i guess you i guess you could make that like an uh an aids thing as well uh because this thing this thing that's inside of you she's she not so much timothy chalamet right is carrying this terror about like what it'll do to the people who get close to her if she lets them get close, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. And his character is leaving the family allowed to and stuff, and the sisters upset by it and all that. So I, I do, yeah, I, I am with you on this, and I think you, you convince me even more maybe with that by breaking it down like that. I, it's interesting too the point about when it's said. I didn't really make that connection that it's like pre age. It was kind of one of these things where. Through most of the film, I really actually wasn't sure what time period it was supposed to be. Yeah. For a while, I was thinking, is this just like a stylistic thing? They're not really showing modern stuff, but it could be modern day still. And some of these like town, small towns in America still could be the 80s, you know, on a given look around if you don't see any technology. Yeah, I hear you. So for a, for a while, probably through more than half the film, I was not sure, honestly. And then... By the time it got toward the end, I was, like, seeing things like style, dress, and stuff. Mm -hmm. With the sister and everything else. Like, I was like, oh, this is the 80s, I guess. But, but yeah, is that part of it then? AIDS specifically, not just... Uh... Well, I think so. I think... I, I mean, I think it's there on purpose, right? Uh, Guadagnino is a master of the form. He, he definitely doesn't do things on accident, I think. And, and I will say, 
there is a whole thing. So Rylance at the beginning is like, we eaters don't, maybe it was only his personal rule, but he said right. we don't eat each other. It seems like the thing, like, even though they were, th- they were threatened by the stool bar character later, it didn't seem like he was going to hurt them either, really. Like, they were kind of st- sticking together. But then by the end, when R- Rylance comes back and Sully comes back and attacks her and all that, then they are then they do eat him, start eating him, and then he when sh- so obviously full spoilers, but Shalom is dying and he's like eat me, so that they are eating each other by the end. Is that a parallel? Uh, is that parallel to AIDS with all people giving AIDS to each other? Well, yeah, exactly. I think you're on the right track, and yeah. it also goes back to, um, I mean, it's it's more dramatic and genre e right but it, it also goes back to that um the very end of call me by your name right just like that 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 first extraordinary like life-changing love it's never going to last for almost anyone like you there is a point where you do have to let go of them or if we're going to be unbearable with our metaphors cannibalize that relationship find what was good at it and turn it into the rest of your life you know yeah now with sully though it 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 doesn't ruin the metaphor or anything, but it it seemed like on a character level, he was like obviously he's a twisted guy, but a, a loner. But I was getting the sense he more wanted like if his own family or like a daughter. She even says like, "Is that what this is?" At one point, versus um a a young lover. Certainly, certainly. But he wanted what did Sully want, right? Okay. Yeah, I, I Sully helped her in 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 her you know, first days of her new life and felt like he owned her, which is, you know, something that can happen to anyone. Yeah. Well, he felt like he made some con- special connection and then he right. didn't let go of it. But he is, it, the character was kind of there, I feel like, too. Again, I liked the character because it's a bit more interesting and he's, he's so weird and everything, but it's kind of started as to, like, to give exposition a little bit to what the situation is to, to, to honor what's going on. And then comes back at the end to wrap things up, basically, on a story level. He's also a warning, right? Like this is this is what can happen if you 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 let this dictate your life to the extent that you had previously, right? Like this is this is the result of him living his life that way, right? He mentions that he never really had anyone. He's like he he doesn't he doesn't have family. He's never like really you know, presumably had a lover, and I think he says that. Yeah, but certainly he's never, like, known and been known the way that that she and, uh, that Merritt and Lee come to know each other, right? And it it does make him, it it kills his heart, and it makes him into this strange, possessive monster that that comes after them at the end. The hair thing is definitely, oh, that is creepy as well, I guess we're talking about the creepy stuff. Mark Rylance is creepy in this movie. Weird idea. Yeah. I guess, despite all these things, though, it isn't, like... That's why I said it's not really a creepy movie. It doesn't focus on the things in a way. Where it plays things more straight, I would say. Like, it doesn't focus in on, like, trying to make build a lot of tension or anything like that, I guess. Yeah, it's not like a... It's not like a Suspiria horror movie, for sure. It's not even really a horror movie. It's just got, like... No, I wouldn't say it is. It's just got some genre, you know, trim. Yeah. It's a love story. And if we can bring Badlands back in, then I I think in a similar way, that doesn't really 
And that's not really about tension either. Well, like even throughout the killing spree, he just kind of he'll just like kill people. Like it's not like it's not like really set up. Like oh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? By the end, you start getting tension. Like since he's killed so many people, you're like now he's gonna do uh-huh. it again. But even that, I feel like Malik lets out the tension a lot. Like he doesn't focus on that. Yeah, know. it's really well paced in that way. That movie. That's not a horror movie either. That's not a movie about two people killing no. each other. That's a movie about 1968, right? Do you think it is even a love story like Bones? And- I don't think it's a love story. I think it's a, I think it's a, a movie about... I think the story is uh, the end of the 60s. I think the story is America turning, <laughs> uh, turning violently on the hippies. Okay, so you think that's the main allegory in this one, turning on... I think... Yeah, I think hippies. it's... A, allegory like it's explaining something i think it's definitely investigating i I would say more than explaining yeah i think it's kind of about the american myth i would say because i do think i do agree it's not a love story it can't be a love story because it's about a 15 year old girl it's a very red rocket movie right yeah like that's not love that's predation right so it's also kind of like it's like shows a real version I think it's a little prescient of, in a way, of today, of the kind of, like, psychos that are running around today, honestly. Because it sets up this, like, rebel without a cause kind of thing. They're even calling him, like, you look like James Dean and all this stuff. But it's like a... Yeah, that's overt. It's like a real version of what that rebel without a cause would actually be and actually is in real life. Like, it's someone who is not... They don't have some big, like, tortured soul of, like... They don't care. They have no empathy for, seemingly, for other people. They are obsessed with celebrity in a way. Like, we'd see, like, he, at the end of the film, the Martin Sheen character is, like, into his own legend and everything. It's exactly what he wanted the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And even, he even doesn't dislike cops or anything. Uh, That's how I'm even (laughs) bringing it back into, like, the people today who, like, are commit maybe commit shootings or do all these things or these like super i would say i guess right-wing psychos that are like running around like uh domestic terrorists yeah, yeah. domestic terrorists so that's what i don't know i thought that was it, it is weirdly realistic in a way to me i guess because of that yeah and even the way going back to i was saying the way it's shot where it's not like it's not like ramping up the tension it's not tarantino style violence it's like you're just bang you're dead like Matter of fact. It's being very frank about it, yeah. Well, and that's an interesting way to look at it. What I was getting was that this is a movie about, you know, mainstream America just turning on and ending the counterculture, right? Because after after Manson and Altamont, you... What horrible violence. We can never allow anything like this to happen again. You know, it's Ronald Reagan time very soon. It's Nixon time. The hippies, you know, the counterculture must be shut down. It's a very slouching toward Bethlehem. More than Rebel Without a Cause, I think it's, it owes a lot to that. You you know, <laughs> somewhat possibly made up Joan Didion article about how uh, awful being part of the counterculture is on the people who are part of it. But there, this is a movie that is, or this is a, a movie about the society that has created these dropouts, you know, doing everything they can to control them. This is a movie about... Most importantly, it sets it 20 years before 
any of that happened or 15, so, 10, 15, 15 years sorry. before any of that happened to say that this has been happening in middle America the whole time. Um, that's that I think is what it's investigating. So is it more David it's setting itself beside that and saying this is this is inside us. This has nothing to do with yeah. the counterculture. So that, that is a more David Lynch in a way, maybe like Blue Velvet or something. It's a little Blue yeah. Velvet, isn't it? Hmm. That is interesting to think about because I never would connect their two style Lynch and Malick styles filmmaking wise, but maybe they are. I didn't think about it. They are heading at some similar ideas here. I mean, what do you think about I? The, both the two lead performances are great in this. I think I, I, uh, I like Sheen's performance quite a bit, especially on the second watch. I think he's pretty funny in it, which I maybe didn't pick up on in the first time. But it is like dark, mm-hmm. some dark humor in here with the, just the way he is and the, what he, t- especially toward that and when he, things he's saying and stuff. Yeah, I think Sissy's basic has a little room to yeah. grow. I mean, Carrie's not even her best performance obviously and we're three years away from that and you can kind of tell she does i will say she has a i do think she she has like you could tell she will hold the screen though you know even in this like she is a i see why she gets i kind of was getting into it before but i see why she gets cast in lead roles and stuff like she has like a presence about her yeah and she's playing such a pushover which might have something to do with like what i saw in it martin sheen is mesmerizing in this he has i mean it's it's a little gauche to for them to say directly to camera you you look like James Dean you look like James Dean but yeah. he does he's got everything and they obviously give him that hairstyle and everything but yeah he's got he that's that that look he there was this also like I mean him being a murderer like a murdering psychopath is is one thing but that manic energy they give him when he's like building the traps around their very first hideout and like prancing through the fields with the rifle like he's mcfucking jagger um i i mean it's just a stunning physicality to this performance yeah it's presaging uh apocalypse now a little bit with some of that stuff but <laughs> yeah but back yeah. to basic i think or the character at least i w- i am wondering like what do you think about you're saying she's a pushover but it's almost like she doesn't like clearly if it's based on a real person there was something wrong with it like what why what's the point of her like not like her father gets killed she doesn't barely reacts to it she's not eventually she gets sick of what's happening and leaves you're like and then they get caught you know but but goes on for a while Mm -hmm. and she doesn't really she just like i know she's supposed to be a 15 or whatever but but even he's like you're not like a normal 15 year old you're more adult and she is in a way but like what are they saying about is it like supposed to be saying like people in America will just let things pass like and not remark on them, just go along with what's happening? Is that part of it? I don't know. Because she's so like not there as as go- she's so going along for the ride in a, in a way that's almost unbelievable kind of. Yeah, I feel like you're probably onto something there. The the text on the back of the of the DVD cover, whatever that's called, the plot synopsis, the plot tagline. There it is. Goddamn calls her an impressionable young girl, right? She's playing a 15-year-old. Her father gets killed by the boy she's been seeing for, what, two weeks? And she's, like, fine with it. They don't fight about that ever. She just goes. She just goes with uh, Martin Sheen into the into the wilds. And she never freaks out when he when he kills people. She doesn't freak out at all. It's just like, oh, that happened again. Um, I think it's very much just, like, she didn't like her life. And so when this guy who didn't like his life decides to take her away... And they get the life that they get on the run murdering people. 
you know, that's fine because it's not the life that I had in Texas with my, you know, boring dad. Um, I think it is back back to what we were saying a minute ago um, or what I was saying, <laughs> uh, trying to convince you of. I think it is pointing a finger at society and saying, just like, you create these people, right? These people, like, they're not getting hypnotized in college classrooms or whatever you want to, whatever you say about the hippies. Society created, and, and probably the FBI, created uh, Charles Manson, you know. And then you, you're happy to get their pen or whatever at that. Right. Yeah, by the, Dad, by the way, played by great 70s actor Warren Oates, who had a, a very interesting career. Uh, kind of like a cult actor. Yeah, yeah, him, him and Daryl Hall released some interesting music in the That's 80s. That's right, he got reincarnated as... I believe he died in in the eighties, so he must have got reincarnated as as a. That's a tough beat a, for me. I am always doing shit like that. Didn't I? Didn't I make another like glorious flub when we were doing like another round this time last most year? Likely, God damn it! That's, that's all right. Yeah, no, he dies quite early, but that was a that was a cool painting he was doing that that billboard at the beginning. I liked that. I thought it was yeah. sick. I thought it was a really good billboard. Oh, I hope it's. Uh, you know that's uh, that's his life's work, I guess. R.I.P. Dad. Yeah, not a lot of characters in the in either movie, but especially not in Badland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're very for movies set in wide open spaces. They are very much circled tightly around the the two stars. For sure. Which is they're both they're very similar in that way. Yeah, I could they, I definitely see what you were saying at the beginning. And in Bones and all the uh, Marin, I guess is her name. She gets more. You know, Shalma doesn't show up for a while into it, at least. Like, it is it is a little bit more of her story, at least initially, um, which is not really the case in Badlands. They basically get get set up in the first scene, essentially. But that actress, uh, I didn't recognize her from anything. She, I don't know if she... Taylor Russell? Uh, I didn't recognize her from anything either. Yeah, yeah, she's great. <laughs> Uh, both both the kids in that are. I mean, everybody knows about Chalamet. She's from Waves. If you saw that. Oh, I did not. Who is that? Uh, by the director though of uh, of Moonlight. Uh, I don't I'm think so. It's directed by Trey Edward Schultz. Okay, so no, never mind. Okay, yeah, no, I haven't seen that. But... The director of It Comes at Night. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen that either. Is that one of your horror picks? It's like a it's like a Shyamalan-y ominous movie. There's there's no real horror. Speaking of that, are we doing night knock at the door next in March? March pot, or whatever it's called. Uh, I watched old two years ago, and you're not going to get me to watch another Shyamalan movie. I'm it, it's over. No, you're not going to get me. To y'all, watch y'all old. enjoy him. So, but yeah, so we'll wrap. We'll be wrapping up uh, in a few minutes here, anyway, on this one. But I think we got some interesting discussion here. Um, is there anything else? Oh, I wanted to shout out the soundtracks in both films. I liked quite a bit too. Um, I thought there was some good. That's why too. Then some of the things like there's a couple '80s bangers and Bones and all. And then I was kind of like, okay, I guess this is that time period. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, not that I was diegetic necessarily, but except for the Kiss record, but right. Well, I mean, they're really effectively used either way. Yeah, but but in uh, Badlands, there's that one. I really like the song or whatever it is. The part of the score where. You first hear it when they're like in the woods or whatever for a while. They're kind of doing a montage, and then it comes in again at the end of the film too, and like over the credits. And uh, I liked it a lot. I don't know the kind of operatic choral piece. I guess it would be choral. Yeah, you're you're the expert here. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Musica Poetica by Carl Orff, the guy who did the Carmina Burana cycle. 
um, which okay. is of course in every commercial. That the one I'm the one I'm saying is in every commercial. The one he, who does it. No, no, no. the The first and last movement of the of the Carmina Burana is the uh, the O Fortuna. That's every time someone's like dashing dashing through a grocery store, like in a hurry. It's it, it plays the yeah the epic conclusion to the O Fortuna. Okay. It's a different medieval medieval influenced song cycle by uh, Nazi composer Karl Orff. Uh, that's uh, yeah. Real, really good music. But. All right. Well, <laughs> I liked let's, it. Let's call it. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know any of that history. I didn't know that it was a famous piece. But I guess I'm not surprised. Um, it was working for me. Yeah, it's got. It's very. I mean, maybe this is a Malik thing in general. I think it is what people say, but it's poetic. He is kind of a poetic filmmaker and kind of like a lull, lull you along like uh, vibe sort of guy. Malik or Guadagnino? Malik. I mean yeah, both, oh, both sure. honestly. I, I guess both, but 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 even more so, Malg. I think I'm thinking of Days of. Can Heaven we play to you? Have you seen that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I saw Days of Heaven four or five years ago. Really good. Let's play a game. Okay, let's do it. What is another Terrence Malick movie that would pair with any other Guadagnino film? Well, like I said, I'm no completionist, but I guess. Call me by your name in a new world? No, I don't know. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe. A uh, tree of life and a bigger... Spl- well, I still have never finished a bigger splash, even though I made a good... I, I'm, I've worked it in before. I didn't care for it and uh, turned it off. But You did not like a bigger splash. No, I didn't. Uh, at least at the, at, when, when I sat down and turned it on, it, it just wasn't working for me for whatever reason, and I flipped it off after maybe half an hour. Maybe I mean maybe it, it's a, a natural born killer situation where I need to go back and reappraise, or even just watch the whole, finish it. What were we putting Suspiria twenty eighteen with uh, Thin Red Line? They're both long as hell, right? Suspiria. <laughs> Suspiria's red, Thin Red Line. Yeah, oh, I should. I, know, um, I, should have for I the guess. First time. I guess for my part, I would do uh, I Am Love with To The Wonder. Okay, so I also have never seen either of those films. So, yeah, I definitely have blind spots with both these directors. Is I Am Love his first Oh, okay. His first film? Guadagnino's first film? Uh, I think First feature? So. Is that um, Swinton also? Yeah. Okay. Is it a gay allegory? Less than some of the, uh, the other stuff. Okay. She's a, a married woman in uh, getting into heterosexual dalliances okay well fair enough yeah i get it is not his first feature oh it's not his first feature is the protagonist from 1999 this is a first feature in english or is it even in english it's not really in english it's it's mostly in italian huh. it rules uh but no it's 10 years after his first feature all right well i must be mixing things up but yeah so that uh even highlights further how much of a blind spot i have on, on these guys but you know, I like both of these ones that we talked about today, and they're, they're quite a pair together. Maybe you wouldn't pair them together if you're going to watch two in a row, because they are so similar. But I guess do it while we wrap up here, do we want to get into anything else? Do you want to quickly double back on anything from last month? I mean, the conceit last time was there was one film each that only one of us had seen and not the other. Uh, I hadn't seen Tar at the time. I now have. You hadn't seen... Uh, decision to leave yet and now you have 
Man, decision to leave. What a fucking picture, man. Uh, I, I have finally seen that. I think I texted you immediately and was like, our next episode is decision to leave in Point Break. <laughs> That's right. It took me a minute, too. I was like, okay, then I figured it out. But, yeah. <laughs> She's not coming back, Drew. Um, <laughs> no, that movie is incredible. Yeah, I, I wish I had seen it when we talked about it in December so that we could have gone on for another half hour about it. Um, holy shit. Korea is the best out here right now. They, they, they do everything. Yeah, I mean, Park Chan-wook is... He's, he's one of the OGs kind of from the Korean cinema I've been getting. Certainly, uh, certainly. But but still, yeah, they are, uh, they do seem to be one of the, t- move over France are one of the top foreign exporters for these uh, artistic films. Every year they have one of the five best movies of the year, man. So is it in your top five now, which you unveiled last time, but you hadn't seen that yet, so... I would probably bump the horror movies and and put Decision to Leave and Banshees uh, five and six in some or or four and five in some order mm-hmm. with everything everywhere at six. If I had to redo it, knowing everything I know now, that said, I've I rewatched everything everywhere and just knowing everything that was coming during the Rakakuni bit, I still just started weeping. It, uh, uncontrollably, that is a a beautiful, beautiful movie. Well, you were weeping specifically during the Rakakuni part, though. Or just... well, I mean, it's it's all very. We've talked about this, right? It's <laughs> all very, very emotional and a bit manipulative with the music and everything. But when she's like climbing the stairs, trying to stop her daughter from going into the portal, uh, bagel, excuse me, it's everything, and like reaching into the other universes and 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 making the Matrix agents that are trying to stop her happy by giving them the thing that completes them from another universe and she goes into Rakakuni's universe and and she's turned him in and is sitting on the sidewalk or on the curb next to the other chef who was being ratatouille right and he's just like crying he's my best friend he taught me so much um and then she rides him like uh like ratatouille and to, to go get rakakuni back i just started weeping again it is so effective it is the most beautiful thing i've ever seen so it's number six um okay. so i can't i cannot push that out for either of these movies <laughs> but i did wow well yeah Decision leaves another one. I'm, I might need to watch it. I already said during the during the last episode, like I might have had a little bit of a subtitle shenanigans going on that affected it. But I watched it. I don't think you do. No, she's fucking up her Korean uh, being a Chinese immigrant. Well, that's what I wasn't sure about. But then there was some parts when it wasn't her talking. That's why I was confused that it seemed like wasn't right. But anyway, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, and then so Tar, I saw that's might be in my t- i mean that was great i loved it i fully expected to and ended but what a fucking picture i guess i did kind of, i also i'm saying that phrase now what a picture yeah you would said that a lot today should we change the name from movies are relevant to you? what a what a picture i mean i would i wouldn't be against it if this persists okay if it becomes a bit that i can't stop doing okay but yeah, I, I am definitely excited to work Lydia Tarr into comedy bits in the future, just references in the future. For Oh, yeah. As like, a, what was the guy uh, from uh, Bronco Henry? It was like the 2021 version for uh-huh. like a funny guy to throw in <laughs> Lydia Tarr together. I don't know. 
even though the ending wasn't spoiled what it was, but I did, I guess, get tipped to the fact that something was... was did I do that to you? Show. No, I, I brought it up to you, though, that I had heard that. Well, I think I had said that. Is it is this kind of a comedy or something? Which I guess it really isn't, but right, 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 right. And I told, and then I responded, a "You have heard about the ending, yeah. then." Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but that's one we. Hey, maybe we'll talk it more in the future. Obviously, no time now, but we could have done. I could have probably done two hours on that one. When it wins Best Picture, we'll revisit it. That's right. No, I mean it's certainly not going to take out Top Gun Maverick or anything like that. But you know, Bloodshot will probably get the the best actress god she had better because she is the best actress yeah no i would i would hope so so what is i don't know what we'll be doing next month stay tuned for whatever it is i mean is there anything on your radar as we wrap it up though um i don't know about on my radar i finally watched chunking express that's really good i just watched true grit again Wong car wai the uh, Cohen's True Grit, I'm assuming you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the John Wayne True Grit. Uh, I find that, that that kid's gumption and pluck to be annoying, but for some reason the Haley whatever. Uh, the Steinfeld one works for you. Right, right. Interesting. Well, and I'm, I, I was a big fan of her dad's show, uh, Jerry Steinfeld. So mm-hmm. that was horrible. Yeah, no, I really like the Coens. I really like the Coens. I really like their True Grit, and I, I just rewatched that. I watched Chunking Express. Uh, there's some stuff coming up. Neither of us have seen Megan, I think. No, that is true. Is it going to be streaming or anything? I feel like that's a movie that'll be It's like, on VOD now. I feel like that's one of the ones where I, like, I'll be like, oh, it's on Peacock now, and, like, a month after it came out or something, or HBO Max or something. Yeah, it's already on VOD, so it's, it's headed somewhere soon, I think. Um, I don't think that... I don't think it needs an episode from us. <laughs> Probably not, but I I might be interested to watch that. Um, I still need to check out Skinnamarink. That you that was that was maybe knocked off your list now, but uh, that Skinnamarink is so good. A big, a big wreck from you. That there's a new one. There's a new one. Outwaters. I think it's Australian. Okay. I haven't heard anything about Outwaters? it. I'm really excited to see it. Oh, yeah. so it's not a new one in terms of a new one for you to recommend yet, then. Okay. No, 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 no. It's just, uh, it's that's the new horror movie that's bubbling up uh, from the subcultures. Is is it a Shutter joint, or did Shutter get shut down or something I thought I heard, maybe? Or, no, or neither of those things away? is true. No. Okay, never mind. <laughs> well, we'll come up with something good for next time. But yeah, that, that was our, uh, our road trip, Killing Spree app. And there's enough films like that out there. There could maybe be a sequel someday. But for now, uh, we'll get on out of here. Yeah, check out Drew's views on YouTube, though. You can see Eric and I reacting to anime. You can see other shows I do on there. Definitely stay subscribed to Brooklyn Rebound Network here. Definitely use code BKRB on DraftKings Sportsbook to bet on the Super Bowl and uh, other things coming up. And yeah, until next time, we're going to hit the road. Peace.